Hello, and, again, welcome to the Aperture Science Computer Aided Enrichment Center. We hope your brief detention in the relaxation vault has been a pleasant one. Two True Freaks presents Hope of All Trades, hosted by Hope Mullinax, a podcast by a girl unheard of! If it isn't that hairless heartbeat, if it isn't Skywalker's filthy, obnoxious little pet. Where am I? Where'd go? Very well spotted. It's a girl? Oh yeah, you're right about that. She can violate my rights if... Hey! Make this, and you die a legend. Can I pee first? I'm really glad that worked. Those would have been terrible last words. Hi everyone, welcome to a new show of Hope of All Trades. I'm your host, Hope Mullinax. And this is my show, Hope of All Trades. And I hope that you're doing very, very good today. Um, I've missed you guys. I, it's been a little bit of a break since I last uh, posted a podcast, but mainly because I knew I, I would have a few things coming up, like a con, I went to a con, and all sorts of stuff, and I was waiting to see some of the movies that came out, and so on and so forth, and so on and so forth, haha! Anyway, so, we have a very, we, as I speak of myself in third person, I have a very uh, diverse show for you today. Um, I'm going to be covering a con, a movie, a con- another con that I've been watching all day and was not in the show originally planned, so I'm going to be improving that bit a little bit, a book and an anime. Um, so, yeah, let's get started. So first and foremost, my very first topic is going to be on Session Con. I went there last weekend, uh, and it was very fun, and I'll have more on that in one second with my full, I guess talk, even though I'm really just talking to myself about it. Anyway, I'll talk about it. Yay! Um, yeah. And then I'm gonna talk about Thor. Because it's Thor. And it was awesome. Thor was awesome. More on why in a second. Um, and then all day, I wasn't gonna talk about this. Uh, and then it just struck my fancy. Um, E3's going on at this time. Ooh, I'm gonna adjust my microphone, because it says that I'm talking too loudly. There we go. Um, E3's on this week, I completely forgot it was E3 until I turned on my TV this morning and flipped the G4, and I was like, E3, and I was like, holy crap! Um, yeah, so I, E3, if you don't know, is like the Super Bowl of video games, and I'm very excited, and, um, so I was gonna just talk about some of the things that kind of piqued my interest today, and I'm also gonna talk about probably one of the more talked about things, I want to say. I'm a better writer than a talker. Uh, that was debut today, which is the Wii U. More on that soon. Um, I said in my last show that I was going to do, um, a breakdown of, uh, Anne Rice's Blood and Gold. I'm about a little under 200 chapters in, which is a little, it's about, say, two-fifths of the way through. I'm, I'm not quite at half, but I'm a little over a quarter. And just take what my intake of it so far. Is it a crappy vampire novel like Twilight, or is it actually a decent piece of literature? We'll see in a second. And finally, for a 
finally and foremost. <laughs> oh, see, this is why I usually warm up between shows, but I knew my house would be quiet at the time, so I was like, oh, I gotta record right now! <laughs> anyway, and finally, I'm gonna talk about an anime called Tiger and Bunny. Uh, it, it's not as cute as it sounds, I promise you. And uh, the reason I want to talk about this is, you know, uh, I've talked with Scott and, and Chris before and Mike about, like, anime and stuff like that, and, you know, a lot of the comic book fans that follow our shows are just kind of like, ooh, anime. Um, and some of them might not know how to jump into this. I'm going to just say, this is a very good anime if you are a comic book fan. More on why in a minute. Well, probably more than a minute. Anyway, Session Con! Session Con! I hope I'm saying that right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't actually know how to say this. I think it's Session Con. Um, it was really fun. Session Con was in Atlanta, Georgia. It is an anime con. Um, and I think, I don't know if this is its second year or what, but I know that my friend um, worked it there last year and now and worked there this year, so I don't know if it's its second year or what not or whatever. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was a very small con, and I think it was Shag when we had our Summit meeting uh, podcast, a few podcasts back, on Two True Freaks. He said, um, Shag, I love you, but I want to shoot back to you a screw you, because I heart you that much, so uh, screw you, Shag. I, I don't think I ever said that I didn't like big cons, I just don't prefer them. I'm going to compare Session Con to Dragon Con of why I liked it better. Well, I guess... I couldn't really, truly compare them both, in a sense, because Dragon Con is just, like, a monolith, a huge, mammoth, Megatron, Transformer, Optimus Prime, con versus, like, a kitten, <laughs> like, size-wise. Like, that that's the differences between these two cons, but I prefer small cons. Uh, I like them, I feel like they're more personable. Uh, I feel like there's more time for me, I, even if I explore everything once, uh, there's there's more time for me to sit down and, and get to know people and talk with people. And that was a big thing I did at this con. Um, I met a lot of uh, my anime friends uh, that I've been talking to online for several months then, now. I, I met a lot of them for the first time. And um, it was very nice to be able to just uh, sit down and chillax and just talk and get to know each other better. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that aspect of that kind of small homey feel and that kind of do-it-yourself nature because all of the dealers and even the art galleries were all very, like, they, they had, like, professional stuff there, but it was still a very do-it-yourself feel, and I kind of liked that about a con. It didn't feel very, like, like it didn't have, like, Funimation there, or Tokyo Pop. Well, of course, it's not going to have Tokyo Pop, because, as I said in my last show, Tokyo Pop is gone. Um, but it didn't have that kind of corporation feel to it, and it was very kind of organic, almost. Like, we all sort of did our own things and kind of discovered things ourselves. And I like that about cons. And, uh, as I said, it was a very small con. It only covered, like, six, like, big hotel rooms. If that, like, I had, like, two ballrooms, one for the dealers, one for, like, the main events. Um, I had two side rooms, one to view anime shows, and then, like, two or three other rooms for panels, and then the, uh, art gallery. And that was it. So that was, like, what, I just, like, said, like, eight numbers, eight rooms or something. 
So it's very small, and I think there's only like probably 300 people there, max. And so what I kind of liked about it is no matter where I went, I kept seeing familiar faces. So even though they weren't like my original anime friends, I started learning people and started meeting people. I met some very, very nice people that weren't even in my fandom. Because um, I, I, I went and I was hanging out with all the Italia people, and I met some of the Bleach people, and they were really nice. And, and there was a few like Naruto peoples, and even though like I'm not a fan of Naruto, we were still able to, like, to chat and have fun. And it was just very organic and very friendly. Everyone was just so friendly there. Um, so yeah, I I like small cons compared to big cons, and this isn't gonna be this isn't a put down Dragon Con. I love Dragon Con. I wouldn't go to Dragon Con eight years consecutively if I didn't love Dragon Con. I I love it. Um, I love the, the variety of fandoms. See, I, I like to be able to go from a Doctor Who panel to an anime panel to go LARPing. Did it go do Dr. Horrible sing-along blog karaoke? I mean, like, I, I love that aspect of it, and to then go to a superhero comic book panel. Like, I like I like the variety there, but it's also just, it's so crowded. Uh, and I, I won't lie, last Dragon Con, I almost just totally got trampled, because I was in the dealer's room, and unlike some of the last few years, it's grown so big that I couldn't... You're going down one way of the dealer's room, and if you... I, I saw, like, the thing I wanted to go to, the, the booth, and I, when I went to go to it, I couldn't get over to it without cutting across, like, four people and breaking in line. And I... And even if I did, I would, like, stop traffic. So I ended up having to go all the way back around the booth again before being able to go with the flow of being back in it. And... I mean, that's not just, a, I mean, that's a great thing. That means there's a lot of people coming to the con, meaning people are coming to Atlanta and recognizing our amazing city and our amazing, amazing convention. I just, it's hot and it has con funk. That, that's the bottom line. Con funk. It's gross. There was very little con funk at Session Con, and I think because it wasn't so crowded and so hot, so like, we aren't, we weren't all just sweating. And it was, oh, ugh. I'll never forget, like, just going on an elevator at Dragon Con and almost just bombing because there was just three other men. And they, I, I hate to say stereotypical nerds, but they're your stereotypical nerds. Like, they, they look like the nerd guy from The Simpsons. And, oh, God. <laughs> it was just horrendous. But, like, I, I, there was only one time at Session Con I actually ever smelled con funk. And it was after the Hatalia photo shoot, and we were all outside in like 90 something degree weather in like multiple layered costumes. So I, I, I that was the only time, and I'm so that's a good thing. But session con was really fun. Uh, some of the panels I went to, I, I didn't get to go to as many panels as I wanted to because I just, you know, time and I wanted to hang out with all my friends and stuff like that. And I only went Saturday, I only got there about 10 ish. I wanted to get there kind of early because I went to the Hatalia Askination panel, and if you know, and you're probably rolling your eyes going, oh my god, I can listen to Hope's show, and it becomes a drinking game about her talking about fucking Hatalia. Yes, it is. Anyway, um, and that was a really fun panel, and what I kind of liked about this, and I would actually really like to see this in other fandoms too set up, like maybe a Doctor Who one, where people just like up, up as the Doctor and does this, but what they did was they dressed up like characters from the show, and you could quiz them, or, like, ask them questions, so, 
and they would be in character and give you a response. Um, and it, it was really fun. Uh, it was really funny. Uh, the only problem criticism I had, there's a few times where I don't think there was communication between uh, all the cosplayers, so there was just times where things got a little chaotic and out of hand, and I just watched my poor friend who was on staff just get an aneurysm, like, growing in her forehead, just because she was just like, that's not what we planned, and plus there was just really young kids in there, and it turned, ended up turning into, like, oh, guess which cosplayer is gay, and then guess which gay cosplayer is dating other, dating other gay cosplayer, so I just needed a little bit more structure, but outside of that, it was really funny, and I really liked this idea of, like, being able to see a bunch of people, like, dressed up, like, maybe, like, Justice League, go on a panel, and then you ask them questions, and then they respond to you in character, so you could go up to, like, Superman and be like, hey, Superman, um, so, how hot do you think Lois Lane is? And he's like, well, citizen, Lois Lane is super hot, that's why, that is why I bone her every night with the American flag in my pants, ha, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, something like that. <laughs> what did I just say? <laughs> It's good when you make yourself laugh, I've learned that. Um, so yeah, it was really fun. Um, and then we took some time and I ended up just kind of hanging out with my friends for a while. And then I went to the costume con contest, which is always fun because it's a costume contest and you get to see the really hard work that everybody does. And then, something that I kind of like is that they're doing between multiple uh, conventions is they have a dumpling eating contest. And apparently they do this at Momocon, Anime Week in Atlanta, I think it's Omak Con, which is up in Tennessee, and now Session Con. And what they do is different people from these conventions come and they compete against each other in this sickening dumpling and eating contest. And they try to eat the most dumplings within like a certain amount of time. Um, and they get bragging rights for the con. <laughs> and so it's turning into this competition between the cons and stuff like that. I think Dragon Con's in on that one too. But this time, uh, the dumplings went bad, uh, something about, like, the fridge not being closed or cold enough or whatever, so they got chicken nuggets from McDonald's and then just slathered them in chocolate sauce. Oh, God, it was so disgusting. Absolutely just gross. Uh, just watching these, like, full-grown men just scarf down chocolate-covered chicken nuggets. Oh, I'm, I'm getting a little nauseous just thinking about it. So that was fun, but I kind of like that. It's becoming a competition between the cons, and I, I would like to see more stuff like that. Um, and then the other uh, thing I went to was Jess's World of Japornmation. Japan, Japorn, ha, <laughs> Japornmation. Um, and this is the same girl who runs this at Dragon Con. Um, I like these. They're really fun. It's not just you're going into a dark room uh, and watching a bunch of, like, boobies and, like, sex and stuff like that. What I like about what Jess does is she finds the really stupid, crazy, over-the-top, hilarious hentai. And if you don't know what hentai, hentai is uh, Japanese porn. It's anime, Japanese animated porn. And she just finds the most ridiculous thing. Like, I think the one we were watching was something like... I think it was called, like, Okami Nurse or something like that. And anywho, this nurse worked for a doctor, and they were worked for a sex doctor, sex clinic or whatever. But anyway, the doctor would get really, like, excited and then come out. And when he had a big, like, happy face and crazy mustache on his penis, like, just really ridiculous stuff. 
that is no way in any way like turn onable. Um, and these are really fun. I highly suggest going to the one at Dragon Con or any other cons. If you happen to go to a con and you see something like this, they're really, really fun. They're really, really like hilarious because you also just kind of laugh at yourself. And the panelists are really awesome too. Like um, this was the second one I've been that just did. Like I said, I went to the one back at Dragon Con. I highly suggest this, but I also have to say you have to be 18 to be in there. Uh, they do check IDs before you go in there. And, yeah. Uh, the other thing, uh, I was going to go to the Boys Gone Wild, which was the Yaoi panel, but it got too late and I wanted to sleep and I still had to drive home. But this was a fun panel. They gave a really wide variety of like different things that you could do. They had like a steampunk and anime and manga panel, a wig styling panel. They had, um... Glancing over this, uh, be your own. So you want to be an animator panel, um, and different things like that, like how to do a cosplay from start to finish, how to do makeup for cosplay. Uh, where's the one that I really, really liked? A Toonami fan panel, which I wish I got there early enough to see. They oh, and they also had a parents anime 101. So if you were a parent and you had like questions, like oh, what's this thing that my kids are watching? Um, you could talk and you could go and. Uh, listen in on that, and they would teach you about things to look out for in like different age groups to watch what animes. And yeah, so overall, Session Con was really fun. Um, I had a really good time. The only downside to it, uh, and this has nothing to do with con, but the only time I didn't have fun is when it just involved clicks. And I know that wherever you go, there's always going to be clicks within groups and stuff like that. But it was kind of sucky at times where it was my first time meeting some of these people and like I'd seen pictures of them and I've seen videos of them and I go up to try to talk to them and it's like if you're not in our little friend group we can't even talk to you and it was really just kind of a turn off I mean honestly if you think even if you have the greatest cosplay in the world and I really am talking about like some group of cosplayers and stuff like that just be nice. Like, I'm someone who looks up to you guys, and I think you're really cool. I wouldn't want to try and come and talk to you if I didn't think you were cool. And I would just really appreciate you guys being cool back to me. Um, and yeah, so just because you have the best cosplay in the entire world doesn't mean that you can kind of look down on me, because you sort of made me feel like shit. And, like, I was too low and, like, the lowest piece of shit on the bottom of your nice, done-over cosplay boots. So, yeah. And, but overall, everybody else was really nice. Except for clicks. So, you know, I guess the lesson learned is be nice to everybody. And then we can all have fun. Everyone can have fun together. The more the merrier. Yay! Okay, where's my list of things to talk about? So, yeah, go to Session Con. Uh, Session Con was really fun. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and I assume it'll be about the same time next year. So if you're in the Atlanta area or in the southeast and think you can make it in, even just for a day, it was really cheap. It was only $20 for a day and I think 35 tops for all three days. Very, very cheap gone. Um, they had pre-registration and stuff like that for Anime Week in Atlanta, so I say go. Now that I've been talking about this for 20 minutes, let's go on to the next thing. Thor. 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 Wow. Thor. I should have prepared myself to talk about this more. Um, I saw Thor probably... I saw Thor opening night, so that was like, what, like, three weeks ago? Four weeks ago? I don't remember. It was a while ago. Um, and it was 
really good. I'm not a big Marvel fan, though I'm getting into it more now, thanks to the Iron Man movies, and like all the X-Men movies, and I know I just said the X-Men movies, and half of you guys just rolled your eyes and went, oh, the X-Men movies. That's okay. I, I sort of feel the same way, too. I'm not, I'm not a huge Marvel fan. Um, whenever I did get, like, do Marvel stuff, I usually did X-Men, because, um, I really like X-Men, I really like the story behind it, and, uh, especially the history behind it, the history, like, especially with, like, the civil rights movement, and, like, I'm, I'm bisexual, I'm not scared to say that, I'm very proud to be this way, and so, like, I kind of really get where some of the mutants are coming from, because you can't always be open and out about who you are, and stuff like that, and I, I've always loved X-Men so, so much. So, um, I never really dabbled in these other Marvel things. So, the, when I first saw, like, Iron Man, I was just completely blown away. I never read Iron Man. I knew that he was in the Avengers, and I knew he was a Marvel character, but I didn't really go more past that. So I, I was really just totally entranced by, uh, by, uh, Tony Stark. Probably because Robert Downey Jr. is a beautiful man. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's a beautiful man. Um, so I, after seeing X, uh, Iron Man and Iron Man 2, which wasn't quite as good, but I'll talk about that probably some other time. If not, then just Facebook me or Twitter me, tweet me, and I'll chat Iron Man with you. Um, I, I was kind of excited to be see Thor, kind of not. When I, when I first, you know, like, saw previews for it, I was like, okay, yeah, this looks kind of cool. This, this looks like it's going to be okay. And then I started learning more about it. Like, Natalie Portman's in it. I love Natalie Portman. I have a total big girl crush on her. Stuff that happened to her in Black Swan? Yeah, I could do that. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I really, really liked it. Um, that she was in there, she's, she's one of my favorite actresses, and then I started learning more about it, like, Kenneth Branagh is the director, holy crap, I mean, I was a theater major, I totally adored Kenneth Branagh, I find his work just amazing, like, he is, like, one of the top, like, kings of Shakespeare, so I knew that he could take the language in Thor, that kind of old, archaic, Shakespearean language and be able to produce it so it sounds just beautiful and natural like it rolls off the tongue and then I started seeing more trailers um, I, I, I listened to uh, I think it was Chris Scott and Mike Bailey when they were doing the summer movie podcast preview I, I started hearing uh, that's when I really started kind of piquing my interest so thanks for that guys thank you a lot so I went with a bunch of friends. I actually went to a midnight premiere of it because my tickets were free. So haha, fuck you, thirteen dollars three D tickets. I I sat there and I was just pulled in. Like the entire movie just felt like I was reading a comic book, or yeah, like I was reading a comic book. And everything, the world that was established was was pretty was pretty well done, like, I, I, it was very believable, that's the word I'm looking for, it was very believable, everything that happened, and I'm glad they set up kind of the background of, like, how, like, everything, like, the war between the Ice Giants and the Asgardians, I think they're called, so you can you tell I'm not a Marvel fan, because I know half of you just rolled your eyes and went, oh, hope, um, anyway, 
Uh, I'm glad because because I'm not a Thor reader. I'm not a Marvel fan. I don't know that background. Um, I don't know why Loki is Thor's evil enemy always. So I'm glad they really took the time to set that up for someone like me, who only knows of it. And it just it felt very organic and felt very natural, even though like the entire thing was in this other world and this other like almost I, I don't I know it's not a dimension. It's another world. And it was very believable that these are the people who have been protecting us since the beginning of time. Um, it was set up really well, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. And so, uh, and I really liked, probably my favorite part is when Thor first got to, uh, first got to, um, Earth. And seeing that initial interaction with, you know, like, technology and food and all that stuff, and, like, constantly getting hit by cars, um, I, I, that was really well done. Um, it was very funny, actually. I, I really, I, I, I always love those kind of fish out of water stories. They're always my favorite when it comes to humor. And I think Chris, oh god, what's his name? The guy who played Thor with the beautiful abs that you could wash clothes on. Um, Chris Hardwith? Him with? I don't have my internet right now. So I can't pull it up. I need to stop recording podcasts without internet, because then it just makes me feel like a freaking idiot. Uh, anyway, the beautiful man who played Thor that you could wash clothes on his ab muscles, um, he did a really good job. Uh, I know he's a very young actor, and he he just, I don't know if he's had training before or what, but he just picked up the dialect. The di- <laughs> exterminate, guys. The dialect, um, and the, the flow of the words, and how it just sort of rolled off the tongue, and... I, I actually, and he's just beautiful, except for looking like a dirty country singer, or a, I guess a clean, dirty country singer, if that even makes sense. Um, yeah, the only thing I didn't quite really grab is as much as I love Natalie Portman, I just felt like she was almost just too pretty to be there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's one of my favorite actresses, but I just, I, I liked her character, I just felt like she wasn't white right for the role there's i don't know exactly how to put my finger on it but there's just something about her chemistry with the guy who played thor's chemistry and like just her entire just her like interactions with everybody it just it felt slightly like quite out of place but i can't quite put my finger on it there's just something that was just off she didn't do a bad job she was actually pretty damn decent but it wasn't quite perfect like like and then, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about, a bit about Loki, because he was pretty damn vamp. Um, the guy who played him... God, I need to... Hold on, I'm going to connect my internet saying stop being a dumb kid. If my internet would actually work for... You know, I'm actually going to look this up, so I don't have to keep sounding like a dumb kid, because I don't like sounding like a dumb kid on my own podcast, because that's dumb. Dumb kids, Thor film. A 2011 American live-action superhero film based on the Marvel comic character. Yay! Open better. All right, Chris Hemsworth. Okay, yeah, he played um, and it, he played Thor. Anyway, so uh, Todd Hiddleston, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, was awesome. And he actually confused me at first because at first I thought it was Alan Cumming, and um, I almost did what his last name entails because um, I love Alan Cumming. He's like, oh god, he's beautiful, and they look somehow exactly like Todd Hiddleston was played a great villain um I was trying to place other things he was in 
because I feel I know I've seen him before, but he just plays a great villain. He looks like he could potentially be like very pretty, like almost like too pretty. I not like Thor pretty, because God Thor pretty, you don't get much prettier than that. <laughs> Remember abs washing clothes. Um, but he had that just that, that evil smile, and I don't smile, and I don't know if it was like makeup or what, or but he just had the intensity sometimes in his facial expressions, which is great A spot on. And I, I just, oh, it was awesome. Um, yeah. And, uh, Anthony Hopkins, uh, not too old to be kicking ass either. We'll just say that much. So, uh, overall, I would say, uh, go see Thor. It's fun. Um, I saw it in the 2D. Personally, I don't like 3D. Uh, I, I wear glasses, so I can't put 3D glasses over my glasses, and it's a bitch to watch 3D movies. Um, so, yeah, same with you guys to 2D. You're not missing out. It was overall a fun experience. Uh, oh, I know my friends got really excited about seeing Hawkeye. He was in there. I hope I didn't just spoil that for anybody. But they're really setting up for the Avengers, and make sure you sit through the credits. That's all I'll say. But yeah, they're uh, setting up for the Avengers, and it's pumped me up. It got me really excited. I, I, I really want to see um, Captain America. I really want to see Captain America. I love history and total. And World War II is my favorite time to study in history. Plus, it has Hugo Weaving in it. Ha, yeah. Uh, Elrond and uh, Agent Smith. Hell yeah, let's do this. Uh, God, Hugo Weaving, can you like be in anything that's not sci fi and fantasy? And then I don't complain because he's amazing. Um, I'm, I'm totally gearing up for uh, the, the Avengers and for Captain America. And uh, I know it's not in the same Marvel universe because it's done by by Sony, I believe. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about X-Men First Class that just came out. Um, I just wish there was some way that the X-Men could get with Spider-Man, could actually get together and be like the Avengers. Even though I know, I know a bunch of you just went, <gasps> uh, I know that Spider-Man wasn't originally a part of the Avengers. And I don't think Wolverine was. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Because um, like I said, I don't read Marvel very often. Um... So, of course, it wouldn't make sense if the X-Men and Spider-Man were there with the original Avengers. But I would like to see that eventually, if there's ever, like, an Avengers 2. Bring in whoever happens to be playing Spider-Man at the time. And the beautiful Hugh Jackman! God, Hugh Jackman needs to be in every freaking movie! <laughs> so, yeah, I'm very excited about this direction that they're, they are going. And I think I've talked about Thor more than enough. So, yeah, go see it. E3! E3 is this week. Um, I usually, like, plan for E3 and, like, camp out. Totally forgot it was E3 week until I, like I said earlier, I turned it on and it was on and I was excited. Um, and I actually caught what I was actually really wanting to see, which was the Nintendo panel. Um, I think it's because I own Nintendo stuff. I don't own an Xbox. I really don't like Microsoft. Um... And I own a PS2, but I cannot afford a PS3, so I'm kind of behind on the Sony times. So I was really, really excited to see all the Nintendo stuff. And I was sort of excited, kind of confused, but kind of sort of excited too. Um, and and we'll, we'll go into why right now. First, my biggest thing that I'm just super stoked for is Zelda Skyward Sword. I love Zelda. <laughs> I love Zelda probably is my... Zelda's probably my favorite franchise. 
Um, except for maybe Pokemon. They they rival. I I think think I like Pokemon slightly better by like point one percent better. But I I adore Zelda just as much. Um, and it's the 25th anniversary of Zelda, so they're doing. They announced that they're doing a lot of Zelda stuff this this year. Like they're releasing uh, Ocarina of Time, the remake for 3DS. It looks awesome. I have to say, I, I I'm gonna have to steal my friend's 3DS and uh, play it because it just just to have Ocarina of Time literally in 3D, which it was actually like my first like not like 3D 3D, but like 3D pixelated on the N64. Not not flat. It was my first game I ever played on the N64 in that first, like, th- real 3D environment. It was awesome. And so I would really like to play it on the 3DS to kind of get that experience once again and to get my mind blown. Plus, I never finished it! Oh, God! I never finished Ocarina of Time! I did. I played it all the way through! I, I, I did all the side quests, and all I had left was Ganon and Ganondorf, like the two final villains! And my friend, it was the very last day of school, and I had been borrowing my friend's console, and he wanted it back so he could drive home for the summer, and then he didn't come back to school because he dropped out of school, so I've never beaten Ganon and Ganondorf. <sighs> anyway, so yeah, they're releasing uh, Ocarina of Time on 3DS. They also announced a bunch of like little things, like they're releasing um, Four Swords, so you can download it, I think, to the Wii, if I remember correctly. And they're also releasing a, a Link to the Past, I think, for downloadable content. I don't know if that's for the 3DS or for the Wii, um, but uh, that's just a Google look up away, so yeah. So it's a big year for Zelda, but Skyward Sword! Skyward Sword! It's gonna be so good! Uh, <laughs> I never finished Twilight Princess either! I need to stop bar- borrowing games from friends and actually buy them myself. But yeah, uh, it's it looks a lot like Twilight Princess, but it actually looks a lot smoother. Because uh, one of the things I had trouble with uh, 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 with with uh, Twilight Princess is when they were promoting it, they're like, "Yeah, it's on the Wii. You're gonna have to get up and move around and slash and run and blah 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 and like shoot stuff." No, I I could do all that just sitting like a lump in my chair. But the difference is with Skyward Sword is that you have to have the uh, Wii Motion Plus remote controller, and which makes and I was watching them play and there's I'm trying to figure out if there's a way to sit like a lump on a chair, not to sound lazy, but I just want to see. Um, but with the re- Wii Motion Plus controller is so delicate and precise in its movements that you kind of have to move around anyway just to move the sword. And they were saying in the conference that the, even the bad guys are set up to where they're going off your movements. So if they see you raise your sword, they're real time going to go block. So you have to wait for their opening. So it's like you're really truly fighting somebody. And it looks really nice. Uh, <laughs> just to put it bluntly. Um, and I think if I remember correctly, it's a prequel. It's like like in the line of Zelda games, like in the chronological the chronological, the chronology, ah, fuck it, uh, the timeline of Zelda, uh, it's, like, supposed to be, like, the very first game, like, this is the very first Link ever, <laughs> if I, if I remember correctly, so, it's looking pretty spiffy, um, it's coming out, uh, later on, it's either fall or, or winter, it's, I can't remember if it's September, or if it was hol- holidays, 
Either way, it looks good. Okay, moving on. So the, another thing that was uh, really revealed at E3 that I'm very excited about is they, they announced a bunch of games for uh, the 3DS. Because the 3DS last year was a big talk of E3 last year because it's a first 3D game console without uh, glasses. And I have to say, it's pretty damn spiffy. My friends have one, and it's it's pretty damn spiffy. Uh, I, I did not believe it. I, it was one of those things that I wanted to see to believe. And yeah, it's it's 3D. Um, you, you can't get more... 3D mount. There, there was a time where I was actually like touching the screen because I couldn't like quite believe it. Um, but the big problem was is they announced games like Kid Icarus Uprising and um, Uprising or Uplifting. Either way, Kid Icarus um, and Ocarina of Time. They announced these titles last year. They're still not out with it, and Nintendo wonders why their sales are slumping. They released 3DS a few months ago with. No really good, like, grounding good games. Just, they had, like, these, like, little, like, side games that, like, really show off the DS and stuff like that. But they didn't have any big-name titles. And they still don't. At the time I'm recording this podcast, Ocarina of Time still has a week before it comes out. Kid Icarus doesn't even have a release date. And they announced it last year that they were, it was in the works. So... No wonder that Nintendo's sales have slumped, especially in the 3DS, because A, it's, it's it's a pretty pricey game system. I mean, it's cheaper than, like, say, like a PSP and stuff like that, but it's it's more than, if, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was more than when the DSi came out. And, like I said, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't have the facts in front of me, but if you release... A brand new console, you have to release a game that goes with it that, like, will anchor it. Like, with the Wii, you had Twilight Princess, you had Super Mario Galaxy, you had these big-name titles, and then, like, Super Smash Bros. Brawl was out, like, six months later. So you have, like, these major titles anchoring it to this one console, and they do not have it for the 3DS. They have them about to come out, but not yet. So they announced a bunch of games that are coming out within a year, or maybe even a little bit more, depending, uh, that will help, hopefully, boost these sales. And some of them, I'm, I'm going to have to say, I'm very excited for. Uh, one is Super Mario in 3D, which sort of looks like Super Mario Galaxy, uh, except for it's in 3D, so you actually see Mario, like, walking at you. Um, they had Mario Kart, Star Fox, so uh, that was a hooray. Uh, Kid Icarus, of course. Ocarina of Time, of course. Um, and then they also had, oh, what was the other one? Luigi Man- Luigi's Mansion 2, um, which looked pretty, kind of okay, but I never played the first one, so I don't really know. Um, and I feel like there's another one there that I'm missing, but I can't quite remember it. But they have these, like, really bigger-name titles that I'm getting really excited for. So hopefully it will help, uh, push up, uh, Nintendo cells and really help out. But the big thing they announced today... And <laughs> this is what I don't know how I feel about. Um, they've been kind of in this works, call, going into this thing called Project Cafe, but they haven't. But they actually announced what Project Cafe is today, and it's the Wii U. Wii, like in Wii, and then the letter U. I'm gonna describe what they showed today because I'm gonna say flat out the press conference was confusing. They didn't actually flat out say what the Wii U was, and they kept just showing the controller. The controller 
it's just it's kind of this like rounded rectangle shape and I it's probably a little smaller than say like an iPad but it has a touch screen on it and what they were showing on it is like it shows this guy and he's playing his t uh, game on the TV and someone walks in they're like oh I want to watch the baseball game and she's like okay pop and so it shows this guy change the channel and then the guy picks up the Wii U controller like this thing that has a touch screen and about the size of an iPad and he continues playing the game on the controller, which I about shot a brick. I thought it was pretty damn cool that you could do something like that. And as they were showing just more things, it's it's in HD. Uh, so I think this is the first week, the first Nintendo console in HD. So they're finally starting to catch up with Xbox and PlayStation. Um, and the it's it's backwards compatible, so it works with other Wii games. But they just showed the controller, showing how the controller interacts with like a normal Wiimote. And how it interacts with, like, um, they, they had this, uh, demo where showing someone, like, sh sh like, running their hand across it, and it was shooting ninja stars, and it, they had it also in the Nintendo Zapper tool, where it was showing, like, enhanced, like, shooting range skill things, but they also made a, a comment of saying that all the things that you were seeing that they were doing in the demo were not actual gameplay, they were just tech demos, which makes me wonder... Why are they just doing tech demos? But it's also so early in the process, we're probably not even going to get to see the Wii U for at least a year, year and a half. If that. Um, if not more. Um, but it is the next-gen console, but the thing is, it wasn't until afterwards that it was clarified that the Wii U was not just what we saw today. Today, they were just showing the controller. They didn't actual sh actually show the console. So we still don't even know what the console looks like, what it can do. We just saw this really elaborate controller with a touchscreen, and like, which helps you like zone in on stuff. And like, apparently, you could be playing, for example, like Star Fox, and so you're on the TV screen, you're flying through the air. But if you look down at your like little Wii U controller, you can turn your actual body around to where your back is to your TV, and you can in the Wii U controller see what's behind you as if you like turned around in your cockpit which i thought was pretty damn cool except for i don't want to get too excited we've seen before with nintendo that they'll really hype us up with something like really cool like take for example the 3ds it's a really really cool piece of technology but it hasn't quite lived up to what it could be um and I, I feel that way. The fact that I didn't see the console, I just saw the controller, makes me, like, lets me know that this still, this project is still a long ways away. It's, uh, it's still gonna be a while before we can even see it. And I want to see the console. Um, they didn't really talk about whether, how well it, it's compatible with the internet. And I want to know how delicate it is. It looks like it could be an iPad with buttons. And I know me, when I play with my Wiimote, <laughs> no dirty puns intended, I drop it all the time. I don't I don't have a wrist guard, I lost it a long time ago, and I've broken so many Wiimotes that way. Um, and I, I know me, I'm a one clumsy lady, um, and I'd be really scared to drop this sucker, so I want to know how durable it is. So if I'm playing a game, and like I'm playing Star Fox, and I turn around quickly to see what's behind me, and I drop it, is it gonna break? Because it looks like a tablet. I'm a, I just see the iPhone image of iPhone's screens just cracked. And that's what I imagined for this. So I wanna know how durable it is. 
um, I want and it has a touch screen on it. I want to know how accurate this touch screen is. So it's still a long way in the future, but I gotta say it looks kind of spiffy. I'm not gonna lie. I I, I want to see more. I, I'm intrigued enough to know to want to know more. And I've I've always been a Nintendo fan. I really like Nintendo a lot. Um, but with the Wii U, the one thing that got me excited the most was they announced that with the Wii U, um, and it's also going to be with the 3DS as well, so I, I want to know how this is going to work, if it's 3DS and the Wii U, I'm wondering if they're compatible somehow. The next Super Smash Brothers game is in development, which I just, I screamed. I love Super Smash Brothers. I just, I'm so excited for it. <laughs> I, I love Super Smash Bros. I love the story behind it, especially with Brawl. I love in Brawl when they had like the entire like st story mode world thing. I love that stuff. And don't get me wrong, I love Super Smash Bros. fan fiction. It was so good. Um, so I'm really excited to see what's in store for the next Super Smash Bros. game. I already want to start like wondering like, oh my God, who's gonna be in it? Well, we know the stables are gonna be in there. It's gonna have Mario, Link. Pikachu and Kirby, because they're staples. Donkey Kong's probably going to be in there. Star Fox is probably going to be in there. Samus. Uh, and, and so on and so forth. So, like, you have your staple characters that are always going to be in there. Captain Falcon's another one. But then I'm wondering who else is going to be in there. Um, I'm wondering about the Fire Emblem characters. There hasn't been a new Fire Emblem game uh, recently, so I'm wondering if they're going to be in there. Um, I'm wondering if they're going to be able to get some other third-gen characters, like last one had Snake and Sonic in it. So I'm wondering if they're going to have other characters like that in it. And if they are, Disney and Square, e Square Enix and Disney have uh, recently jumped over to the PSP and to the uh, DS with, uh, with uh, Kingdom Hearts. So I'm, I'm rooting for Sora. I want Sora to be in this game. Uh, I think Sora would be an awesome addition and then put one of the bad guys in there like uh, Axel or something like that. So yeah, we'll see what happens, but that's probably still really, really way off in the future. But I'm I'm ready for a new Sma Super Smash Brothers game. Uh, I love it. Cannot wait. So yeah, so, so far uh, I've seen a few other things. Assassin's Creed looks beautiful as always. Uh, Halo 4 was announced. Uh, my all my friends will be really excited about it. I'm I'm really bad at first person shooters, um, so I I tend not to play them. So I, I know my friends are excited over at Halo 4. Uncharted looks really good. Um, so yeah, this E3 shaping would be very interesting. Um, keep an eye on it if you're a video game fan. Uh, but Nintendo, don't don't let me down. So that's what's going on in the world of Nintendo. And on to the next point of this podcast. Time to do a small book review. Oh my god, I've talked for so long already. Um, as I said last time, I was going to start reading Anne Rice's Blood and Gold. I was going to start reading it because my friend's a really big Anne Rice fan. She's been hounding me and hounding me and hounding me to read Anne Rice. Um, and I was a little, little reluctant because I tried to read Interview with a Vampire a long time ago. I was young, way too young, and it was just so dry and so slow and so just, ugh, um, I, I, I couldn't get through it. Um, but I also, I was really young. I was probably like, God, like Sixth, seventh grade, so and I was like, "Yeah, because vampires." I was just like, "Oh my god, he's not doing anything. He's just talking." So yeah, that didn't bode well with my sixth grade brain, which doesn't make sense because I read The Hobbit. 
but I had to read The Hobbit for school, so I'll pose when, when you're reading stuff for grades and you can fail, that's a good incentive to read and understand what you're reading. Um, so yeah, I, I started reading Blood and Gold, um, I don't know why I picked Blood and Gold. Oh yeah, because my friend told me to. Um, because <laughs> I'm a sheep, apparently. And it's one of the later books in the series, uh, The Vampire Chronicles. Uh, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, there's seven books that come before this one, and I'm reading one of the last. Um, so maybe that's why I'm slightly confused, but apparently you should be able to pick up any one of these books and read it and not be lost. That's what I was told, that I could pick up any book in any order and read it, and I would still be able to understand what's going on. Not true. Um, so it follows the tale of Marius. Marius is this blonde guy, um, and he was turned into a vampire, big surprise. Um, and it's not your Twilight. Uh, honestly, it's not Twilight at all, which I was very thankful for, because I didn't get, well, I wasn't able to get through Twilight. Uh, Twilight made me want to punch kittens, which says a lot, because I love kittens. Um, it actually opens with this guy named Thorn. Um, and the thing about Thorn is, I think I'm making him more fun than he actually is, because Thorn is a Viking, <laughs> and automatically when I think Viking, I think Gimli from Lord of the Rings. So, um, I was imagining, like, Gimli from Lord of the Rings trying to be, like, really suave and cool, and at one point Marius takes him into a club, and they go into a club, and they're dancing to, like, techno music with all these girls while they're slowly, like, drinking blood from them. So just imagining Gimli doing that just makes me laugh. Um, except for he got his beard, uh, beard shaved, but, uh, Thorn, um, wakes up, and apparently he's been under the ice for a while, and he gives you pretty much everything that happens in Queen of the Damned. And, uh, the way Anne Rice writes this, because like I said a few minutes ago, you should be able to read this straight through and understand what's going on, no matter what book you start with. It's not true! There, I was reading the entire opening first chapter, and honestly, you don't even need the first chapter. It just needs to, uh, you, you spend the entire first chapter with Thorn just laying in the ice going, Huh, man! All this shit's been happening, like this evil queen came, and she was killing everybody. She kind of came close to me, but she didn't sense me, because I was under like all this sh like ice and stuff. And then my maker, you know, I felt my maker kill her. Now my maker's the queen of the damn, spoiler alerts. Yeah. Yeah, I think I need to wake up now. Like, that's, that's the entire first chapter, but the way it's written is very hard to take in. Like, for example, whenever Thorne's referring to his maker, he, or, or his maker's sister, because his maker is Mook, I believe, and, and, um, Makari's sister is, what is your name, Makari, and, what is your name, Makari, and, I want to say Meru, but I know, I know that's not right. Um, anyway, whenever he refers to the two of them, he refers to them as, like, my maker and my maker's twin. Or, or the maker's twin. He says his maker's twin, his maker's twin, opposed to my maker's twin. And it's just, like, little things that are worded wrong, like, worded weird. It's very hard to follow at times. And honestly, like I said, like, you... Con... I can't type and write. But talk... The way things are worded is just very hard to follow, and you don't need the first chapter. You you really don't. Honestly, the book should start like this. Aw, oh, man, I'm Thorn. I wake up in the ice. Aw, oh, God. Hey, what's that? 
uh, I, I sense uh, another vampire nearby, and he wakes up, and he, like, walks into town, and he walks up to Marius, he's like, yo, hey, Marius, what's up? And he's like, Marius is like, oh, hi, you're a vampire! Uh, and that's how it should start off, not like, oh, I'm gonna lay in the crowd, uh, lay in the eyes, and reminisce about everything that's happened so far uh, in all these books and stuff like that. Like, honestly, I think it just should start off with him going to Marius and them having fun. Maharet. Maharet is the maker, and Makari is her sister. Anyway. So, they, they chat, and you meet Daniel. I think it's Daniel or David. Um, and he's going crazy, and he's building bottles. But actually, um, and then Thorne's like, Oh man, so I saw all these vi- visions, Marius, and I want to know what's going on in the world. He goes, okay, Thorne, let me tell you my story. And then it goes into every Iron Rice book that I've heard about. Is It goes into the actual story about somebody. So we get to hear Marius' story. Um, and I don't want to give too much away. But I'm, I'm sad, because I don't think Thorne's going to be back again until, like, the end of the book. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's true, because my friend told me so. And he's a really cool character, because he's a Viking! And he just makes a big joke, and Marius is kind of boring. Anyway, so uh, we get into Marius' tale. Um, I finally got to experience what I like about so much, what I'm actually, my favorite thing about Anne Rice, which is, it's very historically accurate. I'm a big history buff, and just reading about ancient Rome, and seeing that kind of, like, first-person view of Rome, and, like, the sacking of Rome, and, like, going to Constantinople, and experiencing Constantinople, like, for the first time, and... I, the way she writes it is very, like, I don't know if it's because it's Marius's point of view, and Marius is an artist, but it's very sensory overload, but not, not, like, too much, like, I can see his house around him, and I can see the city around him, and I can hear what he's hearing, and I, I just find that awesome, but at the same time, I'm not sure that if someone who's actually telling this story in first person, because you gotta keep in mind, the chunk of the story is Marius telling Thorne his life story, he's recounting it, um, I, I just have trouble believing that he would believe every, t- he would remember every tiny detail to the tiniest color of this brick and this wall of Constantinople's biggest mosque and blah blah blah, um, but overall, it's very rich, um, and, and very fluid, um, I actually really like it about it, it's not really slow and dry, but I think it's because, um, it, it feels very heightened and classic classy, I will say that, it's all very heightened, uh, because he's a proper gentleman, and he talks with proper language, and stuff like that, but it's, it's very accessible, it's not like, it, it doesn't, no, there was no point so far in, that I've read this, in the first half I've read this book, that went over my head, and I was just like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude, I don't even know, um, there's a few points I had to ask my friend, like, what is this, <laughs> like, they keep, refer- like, referring to this thing called the Great Fire, never actually says what the Great Fire is, but everyone talks about it like they know it. They're like, oh yes, that Great Fire! Oh no, the Great Fire! Oh yes, that was terrible! But it never actually says what the Great Fire is so far that I'm at in this book. So I actually had to ask my friend, like, hey, what the fuck is this Great Fire doing? They're all, like, really freaking out about. And then when she told me, it made so much more sense why Marius was going out of his way to protect the Queen and King, because that's what he's doing this entire book. He's protecting the king and queen of vampires. And that's what he's done all for, like, apparently, like, all his life as a vampire, except for, like, the last, like, so many years. Um, and so I think, if, you know, if these, like, little things that were talked about, like, first, like, like, 
like, uh, like, uh, oh god, I just lost my train of thought. I think if these things were explained, so, for, to somebody like me, who doesn't know what these things are, it would be much more accessible. For example, all the vampires have, like, gifts, like, they have the fire gift, or they, they well, they can learn the fire gift, they don't have it when they're first turn. But they can, like, learn the fire gift, where they can shoot fire, or they can learn the sky gift, where they can fly. But it doesn't actually say what these gifts are. They just said, oh, yeah, I have this sky gift. Oh, yeah, me too. They never actually say what it is. Um, so I, I would just like a little bit more explanation from these. Um, I, I was on Wikipedia a few times just to try and figure some of this shit out. And constantly asking my friends. But other than that, so far it's a good read. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it's... <laughs> Um, I haven't got to Armand coming in yet, but I know that, I know just from talking and just hearing about the other books, um, Armand and Marius become lovers, and, uh, oh, they're both men, <laughs> um, so yeah, just be, if that's not your cup of tea, that's totally understandable, but there's also, a Marius and Pandora, Pandora's a lady, and they're lovers too, um, and supposedly in Pandora's, uh, book, uh, they have sex at some point. I don't know. Anyway, it, it's it's really good so far. I I, I really like it, um, and I'm looking forward to finishing it. Um, and so far, I I approve. When I finish it, I'll give another update about how the rest of the book went, and hopefully, 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 um, the awesome Viking vampire Thorn will come back, or else someone's gonna have to write some fan fiction about it. Oh wait. And Rice doesn't let you write fan fact fiction. In fact, she'll fucking sue your ass. Which is read damn ridiculous. Okay. The very, very last thing I'm going to talk about is this um, anime that I just started recently watching, like, as of a week ago. Called Tiger and Bunny. As cute as it sounds, it's not cute. Like, it's really not. Actually, there are a few times where it's, like, it's really funny. But anyway, we'll get into that more about that later. The reason I'm reckon, uh, recommending this anime is for you fans that uh, love comic books but and kind of want to get into anime, but you don't really know which one to start with, this is a very good anime to start with if you like comics. Because, imagine a group of superheroes like the Justice League or the Avengers or something like that, and imagine... They're not like a group together, but imagine like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Marshman, Hunter, like all the members, and they each have their own sponsors, and they can only save people according to what their sponsors say. So if they are like trying to save these group of people and they have to destroy a bridge to do it, they might not be allowed to save those people because their sponsors don't want to pay for the damages on the bridge. That's pretty much what the show is. Um... It follows uh, uh, Katetsu, and he's um, a veteran hero. He's been a hero for about uh, 10 years now. And what he's doing is uh, he's this superhero called Wild Tiger. And his superpower is, is he can make himself 100 times stronger um, for 5 minutes. And after that 5 minutes period's done with, uh, he has to rest for an hour before he can do it again. And Katetsu is one of those guys, he, he believes in truth, justice, and the American way, pretty much. Um, except for he looks like he's from the Middle East, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he's kind of cute. 
Um, and he believes that a hero should just be able to save people. He doesn't want to, he hates dealing with sponsors, he hates following those rules. He believes that he should only be able to save people because that's what a hero does. A hero's one true point in life is to save people, and that's what he believes. I just said the same thing like four times because I'm that passionate. What's going on in the city and what Tetsu is having to deal with and stuff like that is the city is called Sternbuild City, and it's a very Gotham City-like place. Um, and it's very fancy, it's very highly technological, uh, it has like all these monorails and railway systems and blimps like Zeppelin with like big screen LED TVs on them, like it's a very high tech city and it reminds me of Gotham City. So what happened, this, this takes place 45 years after the superhumans have been discovered, um, and these superhumans are called Next, N-E-X-T, and, uh, these these superhumans start becoming heroes and stuff like that, and they're, uh, Tetsu actually wanted to become a superhero because he realized he had powers at a young age, and he was inspired by this, uh, hero that actually came and saved him and helped him. Um, so he, he had this very, like, kind of, like, broad-eyed, bushy-tailed, like, I'm gonna be a superhero kind of mindset, and now, 45 years later, it's turned into a reality TV show. So the superheroes all have their own sponsors, and they're followed constantly by cameras, and it has become a competition. So, like, they get so many points for stopping a bad guy, they get so many points for saving a person, they get so many points, um, for, for, uh, like, making, like, cool, awesome moves and stuff like that. Um, and then, and then they get points deducted, like, if they destroy buildings and stuff like that, and they, they, get, they get points deducted. And it's turned into a competition. And all the superheroes are always trying to become the king of heroes and stuff like that. And Kotetsu really just wants nothing of it. He thinks it's flat out just dumb. All he wants to do is be a hero and save the day. And because he's an older superhero and he's not really liked at all, like he's not a fan favorite because he's not doing all the cool stuff that all the other superheroes are doing, his sponsors end up getting bought out by a bigger company. Um, and he, when he goes to the new company, they paired him up with a brand new superhero named um, Barnaby Brooks Jr. And Barnaby was revealed in the last conference, uh, the big like TV superhero cool conference thing, about being the next big superhero. And he doesn't even hide his identity. He flat out says, like, hi, my name is Barnaby Brooks Jr. And I'm a superhero. And so he's constantly famous. And so they get paired together. And uh, because of Barnaby's costume, it looks like he has ears. And Gatetsu calls him Bunny, so that's where Tiger and Bunny come from, because they are a pair. Um, and so it's a really, really fun show. Uh, it's very, it's very action-packed. There's so much action, and just every episode I've watched has gotten, gotten deeper and deeper and deeper. And I also have to say, it's a really funny show, too. There's just times where I'm just laughing so hard, I have to pause, because I'm laughing and I'm missing stuff. Um... And I've, I've just enjoyed it so far. Uh, all the characters are very memorable. Um, Kotetsu is just... <laughs> he, he's not your, like, everyday superhero. Um, he's kind of rough around the edges, but he, like, really, like, believes in his instincts and his beliefs that, like, a hero should only be a hero. And then Barnaby just wants to win the game, like, he wants to be the top hero in the points of the reality TV show, which I just, I love that spin, that's in, that the entire thing's a reality TV show, 
So they're fighting real-life bad guys, and people's lives are really in danger, but they can't quite do things always if that means things will get destroyed, and it's really frustrating to all the heroes, not just Kitetsu, but all the heroes get frustrated at times. But, um, and then you have, like, some of the other characters, some of the other heroes are really, 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 um, memorable. Like, you have Blue Rose, who is the ice kind of princess thingy, singer person, she has ice powers, but she is, like, in her scantily clad costume with her boobs practically hanging out and stuff like that, which... Which I found amusing that when it showed her episode about her family, like, her dad just totally doesn't approve of it at all. He's like, why can't you get a new costume? And she's like, I can't help it. Um, and then you have a Fire Emblem, who is a totally flaming gay. Uh, and he's great. Like, he runs around and calls everybody handsome and hugs them and invites all the men to sleep in his bed. And then, But then he's this awesome superhero that shoots fireballs of awesome. And then you have Sky High, and he controls the wind, and he's the king of heroes, and he he's great. He is like your kind of, if superhero if Superman actually really liked being a superhero, because he's all like that, like, Citizens, thank you for your support! Thank you, thank you, thank you! Sky High! <laughs> he's really, really fun. Um, and he's always, he's very just pure. There's an episode where they're trying to throw uh, Barnaby uh, Barnaby uh, birthday party, and they're all trying to memorize scripts, and he's working so hard to memorize this one script that he actually misses, like, catching a villain. And he's so sad that he didn't get to perform. Like, he's just such a generally nice character, and I really like him a lot. And then you have Rock Bison. Um, I actually don't know his superpowers. He, uh, his costume makes him look like a bull, but I don't know if he has super strength, because there was one time where him and Katetsu was trying to hold stuff back, and Katetsu's like, are you, are you even pushing at all? I'm doing all the work. And he doesn't fly, he gets, like, shot out of this catapult to, like, get places. So, <laughs> I don't actually know if he has superpowers yet. And then you have the dragon kid, and she's this cute little girl who, uh, shoots lightning, and she's really kind of cool, too. She's a tomboy. And then you have Origami Cyclone, and he's actually cool. I don't want to spoil it, uh, what he does, but I'm just gonna say that, um, I, I was very surprised, uh, by him, and I really like his character a lot. Um, and then you have, like, the TV crew and stuff like that, and then the bad guy comes in. <gasps> the shit hit the fan a few weeks ago, and then it hit the fan again this week with this week's episode. Um, you find out, because it's, it's, you find it out, like, episode two or three, that Barnaby's, uh, uh, parents were murdered when he was a child, so he's looking for this crime syndicate called the Oro, the Oro, I cannot say this, Oro, Ouroboros. Ouroboros. Anyways, bad guys. Um, and he's trying to find them. And, like, every, like he's just about to get to his lead. He's just about to do this, like, get to, like, this, like, lead. And he's about to figure out, like, get some information from this guy. And the guy bursts into flames. And they look over. And it's another next. And they think, like, oh, my God, is it a superhero? But no, it's a bad guy. But, um, and it's awesome because, like, he can shoot these really, like, blue awesome flames, and he looks just insane. The mask he wears is just creepy, and he says that he's a, his own superhero, but he believes that every bad guy should be killed on the spot, so there's no bad guys, and all the other heroes are like, no, that just makes you a murderer, and he's like, well, try and stop me, and he's awesome! Um, and then, at the, in the very last episode, I don't want to spoil it, it's too good, but shit hit the fan last episode, and it's just, this is a series that's just getting better and better and better. And, like, half the episode is really funny, and it's really comedic, and then, 
BAM! It just hits you. Like, like you, like Tetsu will be driving along, and he thinks he's having a good day, and he, everything's going around well, and then BAM! The bridge explodes, and he suddenly has to jump into the action. Like, it's just such a great series, and it, it feels like you're watching a comic book. There are times where, like, they, like, freeze frame, so they, like, really, like, pull in this, like, really cool move so you can take it in before it'll, like, continue through the action, and it, it feels like you're watching a comic book in action, and it has that kind of Justice League, but they don't work together usually, they usually are on their own because they're trying to get their own points, points and win the contest, so yeah, really fun show, I highly suggest it, you can find it, it's, it's by Viz Media, V as in vinegar, I, Z as in zebra, Viz Media, and you, they're streaming it on their website, you should be able to find it there. Um, yeah, so Tiger and Bunny, guys, highly recommend it, it's really good, I, I cannot wait for Sunday's episode, honestly, like, they, they just left such a big cliffhanger, I, I was, like, like, grabbing my laptop and shaking it, going, no, God, no, why did you win there, oh, it was just very good, so, yeah, I, uh, I can't believe I got through everything, hey, hooray, um, so I guess I'll wrap it up now. Uh, some things to look out for. Uh, I know a lot of Wizard Rock bands are touring uh, for the summer. Off the top of my head, I know Harry and the Potters is touring. The Whomping Willows, Justin Finch Fletchley, Moaning Myrtles. Um, I think that Quickspell is touring with them at some point. Uh, I think that Tonks and the Aurors. Aurors. Why can I say it? I can't say O-R sounds. Aurors. Ouroboros. Anyway, there's a lot of Wizard Rock bands touring, so if you really like Harry Potter and you really like music, try to catch some of these, uh, usually either on their websites or their Facebook pages, or, or so, so on and so forth. They'll have the tour dates and how much they cost. If they cost anything, the Whomping Willow Show in my town is free. Hell yeah. I love free stuff. And especially being able to see three bands for free. Yeah, do it. I highly suggest it. Uh, so yeah, go on out there, uh, support some Wizard Rocks, support some do-it-yourself musicians, and you're just going to have a fun time. Even even if you're not a Harry Potter fan, if you just like music and going out and dancing and having a good time with a bunch of nerds, uh, I, I say go out and do it. Because I know Matt and Lauren of Wompy and Moaning Myrtles, they have their own band also called uh, Armored, Bear uh, Armored Bear Cub, that's what it's called. And they sing nerd songs. They actually don't sing any Harry Potter songs when they're being Armored Bear Club. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, that's it for me. Uh, I can't think of anything else I want to talk about other than I want to drink some coffee. Um, I usually don't say this, but you guys can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I usually don't say this in my show. It's usually just posted. But you guys can totally follow me on Twitter. My Twitter is just Hope Molinax, M-U-L-L-I-N-A-X. Um, I would love to talk with you guys on there, um, and hear what you guys think, uh, and I post a lot of nerdy stuff on there, um, like, god, I just spent all day talking about E3 on my Twitter account, um, and I would just like to hear some responses from the show, let me know if you guys ever want suggestions of things for me to look at and talk about, I, I will always take suggestions to talk about stuff, I will never say no, and if I don't know anything about it, I will research it, or I'll bullshit my way through it, easy enough, hooray! Alright guys, I am going to go. Uh, thank you for listening to Hope of All Trades. My name's Hope Monax. I'm your host today. Um, this is a part of Two True Freaks podcasting group. Make sure you listen to the other shows, guys. Uh, we all work hard. They're all awesome. We love you. I love you. 
I hope you guys love me back, and uh, I will talk to you next time. Bye, guys. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode. With your message read in the show's opener, it's that easy. And there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today.